Welcome to Ottawa Valley Vineyard, where we simply want to help you encounter Jesus, be transformed, and share his love. You know, we're looking at Psalm 42, and uh, just to recap really quickly, last week we uh, took uh, this one core verse that sort of repeats itself actually in Psalm 42 and Psalm 43, which are meant to be read together in verse 511 and in 43.5. It says, Why are you downcast, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? hoping God. And we really centered around that idea that we can actually take our hope and invest it in God. We can actually set it in God or fix it in God or put it in God. There's an action to be done on our part. And so we want to just acknowledge that uh, we picked up some beautiful things in terms of how we talk to our souls and how we connect with ourselves in the sense of, of leading ourselves into a place of goodness. But there's some more stuff in the psalm that's just incredibly beautiful in terms of actually how we pray. So that sort of self-talk was what we talked about last week. This uh, week we're going to talk more about what we say to God and, and some actions we take. Uh, so we're going to look really simply. It's just five hopeful ways to pray when you're downcast. Five hopeful ways to sort of put your hope in God. We're just going to jump into them now. Uh, the first one is found uh, with this idea that we put our hope in God uh, when we pray uh, with his community, when we bring ourselves into the community and the family of God in terms of our prayer lives, when we pray um, publicly. Um, and we just see that in the text. The first thing I want us to notice is that word, a maskal of the sons of Korah. So this is just right in verse one, right before it, uh, looking at sort of an intro to the psalm. We know where the psalm came from, and it's a type of psalm called a maskal. And the word maskal means wisdom. So it's actually a psalm that's meant to teach. And so that's why we're interpreting it and looking at it this way, as we're meant to not just experience it, but to allow it to teach us and to grow us. And so what's really cool about that is... Um, when we take uh, a maskal, when we take a psalm and we begin to pray it and we begin to take our own stuff, our own grief, our own sorrows, and we begin to put them into a form like a maskal, which is what the, obviously the sons of Korah did, uh, we begin to uh, learn how to articulate what's going on in our lives. We begin to put it into a commonly understood form. And I want to just put that out there as, as a part of your prayer life, is learning to not just pray from the heart, which is fantastic, but those of you who have the opportunity to journal to, or to write music or to uh, put the things that are going on in your heart into a form that can be understood by others actually really helps you understand it. Uh, when I was in high school, I had a great teacher uh, who challenged me, who kind of drove me nuts, but challenged me. And I remember sitting in class and he asked a question and he sort of singles me out. How many of you hate that? Of course, in school, when you get singled out in class, it's not happening so much these days. Uh, but he sort of singled me out and sort of said, hey, so what's your answer to the question? I said, well, you know what? I, uh, I understand it, but I just don't know how to say it. And he just challenged me. He said, listen, if you don't know how to say it, you don't actually understand it. And I want to bring that idea to us is that to articulate something is to understand it, to articulate it is to understand it. And so part of our process with God is to actually write down the things that we're dealing with, write down our prayers, and to begin to sort of put them out there in a way that uh, helps us gather them and gather our thoughts and understand them. The second, the second thing I want us to notice there is um, he, he's writing uh, from the sons of Korah. Now, this is all written in the first person. It's one person speaking, but this is a psalm from the sons of Korah. And so what we know the author did as he was writing was he brought it to his family. 
he brought it to his friends. He brought it to his spiritual siblings and they worked it over together and they put it into this form. And that's just another little note to us in the text to take the stuff that we're going through and wrestling with and to uh, bring it to our brothers and sisters and chew on it and, and, and work on it and, uh, and then bring it to the community. And that's what happens next is he brings it to the choir master. Um, and we bring it to the whole community. We share that sort of what we're doing with interviews and what we do with uh, testimony times at church uh, as we take the things that we're wrestling with and then we bring them to the whole community in a way that they can understand. And the things that uh, are growing you begin to grow your church, begin to grow your community. So your story is for you. It's your story, but it's something that is really, really powerful when it's shared with the community. And that's what this mascal is, is it's something that was a person's experience that he brought to his brothers to chew on that was given then to the choir director so that the whole community could learn from it. And that's just a huge part of um, our growth. That's a huge part of our putting our hope in God is to take our stories and to put them into God's hands, to pray, not just by yourself, but to pray with his community. So that's number one. That's the first uh, way to tangibly uh, put your hope in God. Uh, the next one that I wanted us to notice comes out of verse two. We looked at verse two last week, but it's uh, just the idea of praying from where you are. I just want us to notice something in the text that's really important. Uh, he's praying, my soul thirsts for God, for you, the living God. So he's praying this incredibly intimate prayer to God. Uh, he's praying things like, why have you forgotten me? Why have you rejected me? So he clearly feels like God is really, really distant, like God is far away, like God is a distant person. Like, when shall I come and appear before God? Like, God is far away. When do I get to be in your presence again? But he's still praying. He's still praying these incredibly uh, deep and beautiful and intimate prayers while he thinks he's distant from God and God has forgotten him and God has rejected him. It's a real paradox there. But I think that's really important for us is we just sometimes pray anyway. Uh, pray however distant you are. Pray intimately anyway. If you're far from God, you feel like he's far away, pray as though he's close because he's actually probably a lot closer than you think. And just from an apologetics perspective, just if you're wrestling with your faith, faith and you're wrestling with, hey, where does God fit in my life? Like, how does this work? If you find yourself praying uh, to him, you might actually believe in him more than you think, right? Like we do that. We, we get angry at God. We get frustrated with God. You can't be angry at a God that you don't believe in. You can't express frustration with the God that you don't believe is hearing you. Uh, so you might actually have faith uh, that you don't know you have. I want to encourage you with that. Uh, sometimes the problem might be that God might not be doing the thing we want. But I think sometimes we, he's actually closer uh, than we think. I remember when I was a kid, I uh, had this sort of recurring experience. I was a pretty distracted kid. I loved playing with my toys. And I'd be in my room playing. My mom would be letting me just hang out there, be playing with Lego, whatever it is. But every now and then I would get this sense like, mom could have left and I wouldn't know. And I would just start yelling like, mom, 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 where are you? I know that she wouldn't left me. I, I didn't really have a doubt that she was gone. I, I didn't really, wasn't deeply concerned by that because I was actually calling for her. I just needed to know she was there. I wasn't really afraid that she was gone. I just needed to hear her voice. And I think that's just so true of our experience with God is that we sort of feel like we're absent. We're worried that he's gone, but we know deep down that he's actually near, that he's actually close. 
uh, that he wouldn't abandon us. He wouldn't ultimately leave us. And so we take those prayers of uh, seeming abandonment and distance, and we pray them intimately as though he's near because he is near. He is everywhere. So it's really prayers uh, offered in faith. So that's the second thing. Uh, Pray from where you are. Uh, So pray with the community. Pray from where you are. Pray from a place of honesty. Uh, Pray uh, even though he feels distant. Pray even though you seem frustrated. Uh, Pray intimately and honestly, regardless of where you feel like God is in the whole journey. And you'll find out he's closer uh, than you think. Uh, The next thought there is to uh, pray as a physical person. We see that in the text when the psalmist just brings it before the Lord. Again, this is an intimate prayer before the Lord. He's saying, my tears have been my food day and night. So so he's saying, I I haven't been eating anything. I've just been eating my tears. I'm I'm starving here. I I can't eat. My appetite is gone. I'm in this level of uh, consternation. Um, I, I don't know what to do with that. And I'm not sleeping because I'm, I'm crying all night long. I'm, I'm broken. And he sort of brings that physical peace to God. And I think that's pretty important uh, for us to notice. Um, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones said this. He said, if you recognize, however, that the physical may be partly responsible for your spiritual condition and make allowances for that, you'll be edder, better able to deal with the spiritual. I just think that's just so true of us. Sometimes we can be really uh, dealing with frustration or depression. And in my case, sometimes I haven't been getting enough sleep and I'm angry and I'm frustrated at the world. But if I sleep, I'm less angry and frustrated at the world. Uh, I've been looking, blaming other things, blaming physical causes or blaming spiritual causes or blaming spiritual attack or blaming uh, this problem or that problem. When often the reality is, is that I, you know, only slept four hours. I got up early to work. I'm not functioning as well as I should have. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we are physical beings and we are spiritual beings. Um, and as separate or as different as those things seem, like those seem like two completely opposite worlds, the spiritual and the physical, we humans, we exist as both. We are whole people. And we can't easily uh, find the border between those things. We usually don't know with certainty uh, whether physical or spiritual things are moving us. So we actually, most of the time, have to deal with both if we're honest. And so that's just so important. I think so much damage has been done uh, in the life of the church, in the life of Christianity, by uh, over-spiritualizing physical things, by saying, this is the enemy attacking me and getting ourselves all in a twist over it or whatever. And really we need sleep or we need food or we need to see a doctor or we need medication to help uh, deal with, you know, chemical levels in our bodies or whatever it is. Uh, but we're spiritualizing it but not getting the physical help we need. Now, lots of damage has happened on the other side as well where we over-physicalize things that are spiritual. Like sometimes we miss a spiritual cause and we're trying to deal with it purely physically. Uh, so, so that's a danger on the other side. But I think we just have to see ourselves all the time as whole people. And so if in your prayer life you feel like you can't bring your physical circumstances to God, I think that's a miss for you. So it's just pastor talking to people uh, that he loves. I just want you to pick this stuff up. But uh, you are a whole person. 
And God loves all of you, your physical self and your spiritual self. And he wants to care for the whole thing. Uh, we see that in the scriptures. This is a great story. I love this. In 1 Kings chapter 19, uh, Tim Keller points this out as well. It's a story of Elijah, right? He's gone through this crazy moment where he's called down fire and he's defeated the prophets of Baal in this crazy showdown. Uh, he flees at that point. He runs away. This should be just this incredible moment of victory, but he hits this really low point. We talked about this in the last sermon where he's saying, God, I'm just done. Like, just take away my life. Like, like take it away. Like, I, I'm, I'm toast. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I'm depressed. I'm frustrated. Like, like I'm throwing in the towel. And it says in this moment, an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. And he looked and beheld, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And I'm like, this is soul care. This is an angel. This is a mighty angel of God. We imagine some six foot tall, you know, sword swinging, bright, shining angel who's baking the guy a loaf of bread, right? God is caring for his physical body. And he says, you, you need more sleep. And so Elijah goes back to sleep and wakes up and there's another uh, loaf and another jar of water there waiting for him. So this is spiritual care from an angelic being that involves uh, putting some food in the guy's belly and nourishment uh, and water. And I just think God cares about those things in your life. So if you're wrestling uh, with, with a bad mood, with depression, with uh, frustration, being just in a space of being despondent or downcast, uh, look also to the physical and bring that before God and ask him for insight. It is not unspiritual uh, to treat your condition with sleep, diet, exercise, or medicine. That's just not unspiritual. We're just not purely spiritual beings. So it's just an important uh, thing to notice in the text. So that's the third thing. Our first thing, again, is uh, we want to pray with his community. We want to bring our story together with the community. We want to pray from where we are, honestly, at a distance. Uh, but we pray anyway. And to pray as a physical being, acknowledge that uh, you're a complex thing that's been made, a complex creature, and you need God to help you sort that out. Now, uh, the third thing I want to bring us from the text is this. Uh, we put our hope in God when we pray out of memory. Uh, the text reads like this, verse 4, it says, These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God. That word memory there isn't, isn't just like sit and remember and uh, think about that thing that happened and bring a past thing into your presence, in your, in your present, in your mind. Uh, there's an active speaking word there. It's like to boast or to celebrate. And when you're uh, despondent or when you're in a struggle, that can be really, really hard to do. But that's what the psalmist is doing here. He's sort of almost saying, hey, my reality really stinks right now, but I remember something awesome that God did in my life. I remember who God was in those moments. And memory can help you uh, experience joy and confidence in and comfort in the present. And I think we bring those things, we bring those memories of our times with God uh, forward into the present. And, and what they do for us is they help us to uh, see that God is an amazing God, because he was an amazing God. Uh, remember who he was to you in those amazing moments when you first gave your life to him, or when you experienced a moment of revival or renewal or of outpouring of his spirit, because uh, that will connect you with he, who he still is. He, he doesn't change. What was true about God 
is still true about him. And so remember who he was, remember his generosity, remember his spirit poured out in those times of despondency and, and let that touch you. Now, some of us often, like when we're in a place of uh, wrestling with, with hurt or pain or struggle in our lives, we often like hide from our memories because it feels like it puts them in, in contrast with our present. And we like don't want to feel how bad now is by remembering how good then was. But I think it's really courageous and it's really powerful to dig into those memories of your walk and experience with God. And to allow those things to come into your present and allow encouragement to flow from them because you'll find not just the God who was, but the God who is and the God who will be, who was and is and is to come. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so remember uh, your experience with God, cherish them, boast in them, celebrate them. And you'll find encouragement flowing in your life. I think that's an important uh, piece. I remember times of renewal and healing, maybe back when we were in, in Toronto Airport. Uh, in particular, healing uh, when we were pastors there. It was a time when the Holy Spirit was flowing in an incredibly powerful way. And I don't know what the numbers were. I wish we could track stats. It'd be pretty cheesy to do that. But to know like how many times when we prayed for people, they were actually healed. And I would say, let's say 20%. Say 20% of the time we laid hands on somebody, we might see a dramatic healing. Now, when I lay hands and pray for people, which I don't do anymore because of physical distancing, um, you know, maybe the numbers are 2% where we see dramatic healing. I don't know what they are. We're not tracking stats here. But I remember that God, who was healing then, is still that compassionate, healing, powerful God now. And I don't understand the complexities of why the numbers are different or waves or why it flows in, in ways that sometimes God seems like he's doing more and sometimes he's doing less. Like that's, that's above my pay grade. But I do remember that who he was then is who he is today. That he loves us. He loves to heal. He loves to touch you. And, uh, and it brings incredible encouragement uh, into my present. So there's the, there's the fourth thing. So we're praying uh, with our community. We're praying from where we are. Uh, we're praying as physical people and we're praying out of memory. And this is the last thing. And there's, there's actually more to notice in the text, but I'm going to just stop at these five. And this, I think is this maybe the most important of them all. So I want to just land here. Uh, we pray as though he's actually sovereign. We pray as though he's actually king. Um, let me read the text here. Deep calls to deep at the door, at the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. Listen, the psalmist is uh, looking at everything that's going on in his life. His foes sort of laughing at him saying, where's your God? Uh, he's feeling like God is distant. He's feeling like God has rejected him. All of that kind of stuff. He's in a swirl of emotional pain, of emotional turmoil, of emotional struggle. And at the end, he just sort of says, you know what? Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All of your breakers and your waves have gone over me. Now we want to unpack this uh, in, in a careful way because you wouldn't say to somebody who's suffering, well, hey, God just caused that and you just got to suck it up. Right? You, wouldn't, you wouldn't say it's like that. Um, we live in a sort of a complex mix of, of a world where, you know, human will is active, uh, people have free will, um, and it's really worth us taking the time to sort of sort out those questions of, of why things are happening. 
But sometimes it just overwhelms us trying to understand all that. And it's really important for us to be able to step back and to just say, hey, wait a second, God is ultimately in control. There may be forces and free will and things operating around me, but but I can't sort that out. And, and ultimately, God set all those forces to work in the world. So ultimately, these winds and these waves, these things that are crashing over me, they're ultimately uh, His. And that allows us to do something as people when we're in, in moments of despondency. It allows us uh, to uh, reduce the burden of confusion. Like when we just can't figure it out, and I think it is good to wrestle with it, and it's good to try to figure it out. But when we can't figure it out, we can just rest for a while on the sovereignty of God. And I say this uh, about my, my own life, as I work all day, like in my, I'm an Arminian, like everything is up to me. And then at night, I become a Calvinist, because I got to sleep, and I leave everything up to him. Uh, it's really important uh, for us to just have those moments where we're really acknowledging that ultimately this is all his. It does another thing for us. It, it reduces that burden of responsibility. It reduces that burden of pride. It, it helps us say, hey, I can't fix everything. I can't control everything. I put this in the hands of God. Uh, finding our way through depression is, is, is really, really, um, it's really helpful to be able to say, hey, I've got an anchor uh, in God. Um, but we, it also does something else for us. Acknowledging his sovereignty opens us up to his solutions. Uh, it opens us up to the possibility that he can speak through the clutter of all of the stuff that's going on in our lives and actually direct and change and make the universe different. He can offer us something in the midst of waves and chaos uh, that can bring us peace. And that's what the next verses in the in the psalm talk about. It says, so, so the Lord has given the waves and the wind and the deep calling to the deep and this crazy sort of experience of chaos that he's experiencing. But then he says this, by day the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. So God might allow the storm, but he commands his love. He might allow the storms to flow over you. Uh, you might be living in a pace, place of chaos or a place of pain or a place of struggle, or you may hit that at some point in your life, or someone you love may be in that space. Uh, and we can point to the sovereignty of God for the storm, but we can point to a command for his love. He loves you. He commands his love. He directs his love. He orders his love. He has ordered it towards you through Jesus on the cross. He loves you. And it says this, it says, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. So the psalmist in the midst of chaos, waves breaking over him, uh, pain rushing over him, uh, deep calling to deep, waterfalls, his images of incredible uh, pain. And at the same time, he's saying, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. Listen, greater than the storm is the song that he gives you to sing through it. He uh, might be, there might be chaos, there might be pain, there might be struggle. But the song, the relationship, the love that is poured out by him is greater than that. It's an anchor that holds you through it. 
And and I love what I love what this is like like just the statement of the sovereignty of God. Listen to the language here. At, at night, His song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. Listen. So this is His song that is with you, but it's a song that's to Him. So listen. His prayer to him, his song to him. It's all his from beginning to end. And it makes a detour through you. You get to participate with him in this song that a sovereign, self-sufficient, mighty, powerful God is singing about his life. You get to come alongside with him and sing that song with him. Is there any other place you'd rather be? Like, be in the midst of the waves and the storms, but hear his song singing over you. And I hope that's been your experience. For me, in times of difficulty, I've been so blessed that almost always that there is somewhere deep in the back of my soul a song that's just singing and repeating and resonating, a song of worship in the darkest moments of my life. And it has not been a song that I've generated. It's been a song that I've received. It's been a song that's been a gift. Uh, as you pray through as though he's sovereign, he sovereignly puts his song inside you. And he shows you what to pray. He shows you how to pray. The power to pray is from him in the first place. And so prayer for us is a surrender to receive something from him. We, we don't even get to claim that we generated ourselves. That's how sovereign and how powerful he is, and how much he loves you. And he will carry you through the most difficult moment of your lives, no matter what the storm. As you put your hope in him, he will put his song in you. And more than putting his song in you, he actually puts his self in you. You're actually with him. He's nearest sometimes in the darkest moments of our lives. And it's required for us to simply uh, receive the incredible uh, gift of his presence in the midst. And wouldn't you rather have that than to be done with the storm? Wouldn't you rather have his presence uh, in the wind and waves than to have uh, smooth sailing and not have him at all? You want the presence of God. He's so good. He's so good. So we're doing this. We're praying with our community. We're praying from where we are. We're praying as physical beings. We're praying out of memory and we're praying as though God is sovereign. And that is how we put our hope in God. When we're in times of difficulty and times of despondency, there's so much more in Psalm 42. I really encourage you to just read it and to dig into it and to uh, pray through it. Uh, pray through these things. You'll be able to look at the slides on Slide Deck or revisit the sermon on, um, you know, other other forms, podcasts, or on on YouTube. But uh, just encourage you to dig into this psalm. There is so much value there, uh, so much wisdom, so much counsel for us as we go through the ups and downs and challenges of life. It's just so much beauty in Psalm 42, and we're going to talk about next week about uh, Psalm 47 and look at the sovereignty of God. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of Ottawa Valley Vineyard, visit ovv.ca.